It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to the stories and events that will be in the news. I'm Robert Miller. Well, he's still on duty watching those frantic manoeuvres on the Greek debt talk, so we'll be finding out what lies ahead with the Times correspondent in the Euro quarter. And with some of America's biggest tech companies due to report their latest earnings, we have something of a tech special to look at whether we are in yet another stock market bubble. I'm joined by Richard Fletcher, business editor of the Times, Nick Files, our technology and communications editor, and on the line is Bruno Waterfield, the Times Brussels correspondent. A warm welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. And Bruno, let me start with you. What exactly is the latest position on the Greek debt talks? And perhaps more importantly, what can we expect in the coming days? All the drama of the last week or two has really only been to open talks. So it's now clear today that those talks will begin next week. So they're talks for a third uh, bailout program for Greece, which will probably be worth something around 86 billion euros. The ECB um, will keep the Greek banks alive um, during that period in a sort of holding operation until that deal is got done, but that means the Greek banks aren't going to open um, any time soon. Those bailout uh, negotiations will last a good two months. So really all this drama, um, the humiliation and crushing of uh, Syriza, all the bad feeling in the Euros, and that's just been to open uh, a third, around a third bailout talks. And of course, uh, Wolfgang Schäuble, the German uh, finance minister, has opened those talks by saying he doesn't even really believe um, that they can ever agree a third bailout for Greece and suggested again um, that perhaps Greece uh, should leave the euro. So, so, so we've kicked the can down the road, but not very far down the road. Um, yes, this seems to be, however acute the crisis is, the, the way the eurozone. Uh, works. They kick the can down the road, but of course, you know, it, things get worse. I mean, the Greek economy is uh, a, a lot, uh, a lot worse. No one's quite sure um, how bad, but the Commission seems to think the contraction could be up to four percent uh, this year. The, the, the well of sort of eurozone uh, politics has been uh, poisoned with all the sort of heavy-handed bludgeoning of Greece um, into an agreement just to open uh, talks and all the uh, sort of uh, bad-tempered. Uh, grumbling and arguing between France and Germany, 
Finland and Spain and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to see what has actually been achieved. So, so, I know it must feel a very long time ago, uh, Bruno, but coming back to last weekend, uh, the, the mammoth sessions, how did you get through that 30-hour... Uh, I mean, the, the talks, the actual talks went on for over 15 hours, didn't they? How did you get through the night? Did you sneak a little bit of, uh, of shut-eye at any point? I, I, I did see a picture of a... Of, of a couple of journalists sort of asleep on the floor was were you among them no they were they were sort of young young soft uh, agency and sort of internet um journalists who don't seem to be able to stay up all night no in fact it's very important to stay at the summit and and to uh, stay awake because you get a sense of of what's going on um and how the sort of decision uh, shifts and the sort of crisis points in it and of course the next day um, you're always one is always required to write a sort of who said what to who piece, so you, you, you've got to you've got to keep your eyes open and, and stay awake. But it's pretty grim, it's pretty grim in the morning after 17, well more than 17 hours after 20 hours when 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 that page plan arrives and you you find you're writing a great big spread about what you just sat through during the night. And how bitter? I know we spoke, uh, at the, uh, but, and, but it really was. This was one of the most bitter uh, summits you've attended in your many years. Yes, I think it was certainly um, in a in a in a decade. Um, it, were, it really was a summit where you know everybody is is making one leader, uh, Alexis Tsipras, uh, you know, sign up to something he really doesn't want to um, sign up. Some of the things he's being asked to sign up to really alarm um, other countries. So if you take, for example, the the, the, the confiscation, effective confica- confiscation or sequestering. Um, of 50 billion uh, euros in Greek state af- assets worth more than 25% of the country's uh, uh, GDP. Now, that as a precondition um, for a bailout program for the use of the European um, stability mechanisms. That's going to absolutely terrify countries um, like Spain or Portugal that might want to use that facility themselves. Uh, so Nick here, Bruno. Uh, we had a, the CEO summit here uh, this week, and Sir Martin Sorrell, who's uh, obviously got an opinion on everything, suggested that we should just let Greece go. Um, he's uh, he's pro-European, but uh, he seemed to think that was uh, that that was the easiest way to uh, to resolve the situation. Is there any uh, feeling that that, that 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 that's reflected on the ground? For the first time ever, there was a diplomatic text that was the basis for the discussion of the Eurozone Leaders' Summit on, on Sunday night that held out the possibility, if there was no agreement, of, of Greece taking a timeout from the Euro, five-year timeout, which would effectively be leaving because there's a me- legal mechanism by which that, that um, could be done. I, I have to say that I think that maybe Wolfgang Schäuble, will, will, history will be kind to him. I mean, Greek debt burden can't be paid off. Uh, an IMF report, which the leaders knew about um, last weekend, make, that makes it pretty clear that, that Greece hasn't got any reasonable prospects of paying these loans off. Um, while you remain in the Eurozone, there's no possibilities of write-downs or haircuts on that debt. Greece is going to have more recessionary um, economic measures uh, passed. There's the decision to sequester assets. I th- think that, you know, maybe Schäuble was right. I mean, Greece could have left. It could have had help from the uh, ECB to restructure its banks and to set up its own payment system, parallel currency, um, uh, along to join, uh, reintroducing um, the drachma. And of course, once it had left, it would be entitled to debt haircuts. Somebody could call a Paris club conference. Uh, I suspect the Eurozone would want to make it a better offer because Russia would be sitting at the table. So I think one of the things that I think Schäuble has done 
uh, I'm not a great fan. Uh, he's not very popular, um, and he's very abrasive. But I think one of the things he has done is he's, he's started people thinking about the possibility of Greek leaving. And I, and I think that actually, in the, even in the short to medium term, short to medium term, I think that's probably helpful. All right, thanks, Bruno. Stay out, stay with us if you will. And as we promised, we're going to look at the U.S. earnings season now, which is in full swing. And coming up, the centre of attention will be the tech giants. And let's face it, they probably don't come much bigger than Apple, Microsoft and Yahoo. Nick Files, our technology and communication editor. You're our resident expert on this. What, what first of all, broadly are we expecting from, from the three collectively? Well, it's a bit of a mixed bag when you look across uh, these three companies. Apple is expected to have a very strong quarter. We've had a few uh, few upgrades to uh, expectations in recent weeks, uh, especially on the iPhone sales front, looking at about 50 million for the June quarter, which in perspective, uh, I think BlackBerry, once the powerhouse of the smartphone sector, did about 8 million, 8.5 million last year. So uh, it's looking like there could be some upside there, definitely. Uh, Microsoft is a slightly different situation. People are buying into Satya Nadella's strategy. Uh, however, we recently had the news about uh, a huge write-off on Nokia, very, very quickly taken. It's interesting that the shares didn't move spectacularly on that, even though you know we're talking about huge write-off, huge job cuts, and basically the destruction of the mobile strategy, for now at least. Uh, the market seemed quite happy that uh, such quick action had been taken. Yahoo! We're not on the same scale there. Uh, obviously, been a proxy for Alibaba in recent times, and uh, you know who knows. That, that's the one where we could see some real volatile share movement. In terms of Apple, I mean, it's just full steam ahead. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's the, now the world's largest company, isn't it? With a with a, a market cap of seven hundred and thirty billion dollars. Last time I looked, that's right, by some margin, absolutely. And the numbers are staggering. I mean, we're talking cash and equivalents, one hundred ninety four billion dollars. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to bet against it. I mean, Carl Arkan came out. Obviously, a shareholder in the company believes it's worth $240 a share. That's a huge amount of upside from the 128 level we're at the moment. And there will be movements, but few are betting against it yet. What about the valuations of these companies? Mm. I mean, Rachel alluded to there, it is full steam ahead with Apple, and it keeps confounding uh, the people, or the doomsayers even, who say they've yes. peaked. Are we in a tech bubble? Nick, do you want to do that first, or shall I? Uh, you dive in. I, I don't think so. I mean, the, the, with the Nasdaq going above 5,000 a, a, a couple of months ago, there was lots of talk of it. But if you actually look at the numbers, as, and Nick will know this, uh, so I've rudely interrupted. But, you know, Apple is only on 15 times earnings, which is, you know, actually a very conservative rating compared to many other companies. And, and I was looking back uh, to 2000, and at the, at the sort of peak of the... Uh, of uh, the last bubble when both me and Nick were junior reporters, you know, Oracle was trading at 103 times, Cisco was trading at 127 times, Microsoft then was trading at 57 times. Today, Microsoft trades at about 28, uh, no, 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 about 19 times earnings. And, and for the NASDAQ as a whole, uh, it was on 72 times earnings and it's currently on 21. So I I, I, I think when you dig, to, it looks, you know, there are some really big numbers, Apple's valuation. But when you look at the public market, it really doesn't feel like we're in the bubble. Where it does feel like we may be in a bubble is in the private market where, you know, we've seen very few companies go public because they, they, don't, they don't need to because there's lots of late uh, late stage private equity firms, venture capital firms looking to invest. There are now 114 companies uh, with valuations of more than a billion, these so-called 
called unicorns. They used to be called unicorns because they were so rare. Mm. Uh, you know, private tech companies with valuations over a billion. Well, there's now 114 of them, so they're not very rare at all. There's herds of them. Herds of them. On Richard's point about PE ratios there, that is very interesting. Apple is doing it 15 times. And when you compare that to the UK, Arm Holdings, our basically our only large high-tech company, is at about 40 times. On the basis yet- of this, is applies to Apple. Yeah, it is indeed. So, so there is a disparity there. Although the Americans tend to be a little bit, uh, a little bit more conservative on the PE ratio valuations. But um, you're absolutely right. And I think when we have seen IPOs from some of these unicorns, I'm thinking of King Digital. I'm thinking of Etsy. Uh, it has been very, very volatile. Um, so you're absolutely right to identify there being a problem there. There is so much steam in the venture capital and private equity market that IPOs are becoming becoming a bit hit and miss. Bruno, if I could bring you in here uh, on the line from Brussels. The EU plays a big part in the, the life of these companies. I mean, not necessarily specifically, but certainly high-tech American companies do seem to be in the firing line over perceived monopolies. What is the view of tech companies, US tech companies in particular from Brussels? Well, I think you have to, you have to separate the, the sort of investigations and objections that the Commission has raised into, into sort of two camps at the moment. And, and the first is the tax investigations that, that Apple is uh, caught up in in relation to uh, Ireland and Luxembourg. And Apple's already warned its shareholders that it might have to pay a, a material amount of back taxes um, to Ireland, and, and they were basically advanced tax rulings and transfer pricing uh, arrangements in terms of the, how their subsidiaries uh, worked in terms of moving um, profits around. So they're, 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 more, they're, they're as much about the countries that are involved as well and, and tiptoeing on some, some sort of delicate areas of, of national sovereignty, even with, with Luxembourg, that kind of specialises in these um, arrangements, which is why so many companies have their HQs there, including sort of Apple and Amazon, Etc. And then you have the other area of commission objections and investigations with with, with Google, uh, Microsoft, and, and 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 Yahoo even, which which is much more about how search, in this case search engines actually work. And there you have the commission going into again a sensitive area, which is market uh, dominance, and particularly uh, with Google, which has been served with a statement um, of objections because 90% of, uh, of of searches in Europe on the internet uh, uh, through Google, where you get the commission basically tampering, tampering with successful uh, business models. So if you, if, you, if you use the example of Google um, being a shop, um, the commission is basically concerned because too many people are going into that shop. But Bruno, you talk to sort of tech companies in private here, US tech companies, and they seem to feel it's a bit of a you know it's a trade they they sort of they consider it as, it's a bit of a trade war and effectively they're, they're being targeted because they are uh they are from the other side of the atlantic do you think that's fair i think that's a, a perfectly um valid um criticism i mean good to ertinger who's the, the sort of digital commissioner a sort of a, a german dingbat sort of conservative dingbat who has just discovered that you can read newspapers on a on a smartphone and, and took to social media to tell the world um, about how exciting um, this was to universal uh, mockery. I mean, he's openly said that, that, that he, he sees this campaign against the internet search engines as part of Europe developing its own companies. And how active and products. How active are the US companies in Brussels? I mean, are they buying you dinner every night? I mean, I noticed that my Politico email is sponsored by a different US tech firm every day. I mean, are they very active in Brussels? Can, can you move? Are they the? Are they the... have been active, but they've been active. They've really been active ever since. I mean, I, when I first moved to Brussels over a decade ago, it was 
Microsoft. I, I remember the days. Of a commission, and, and um, I, I think Microsoft basically had a contract with every single lobbyist in Brussels to make sure that um, none of them could actually compete against Microsoft. No, there's huge amounts of money, there's huge amounts of American tech money um, in Brussels at the moment. So, you know, it's become, I think, a permanent feature of Brussels life that um, the commission's got them in their sights. And is that um, And all the money pours in to try and... Uh, to try and undo some of the damage. And Bruno, we're getting a sense that perhaps there's been some kickback on that front, that the likes of uh, Vodafone and even BT, Deutsche Telekom, are now trying to get up in that game because uh, at the end of the day, they're the ones most threatened by some of these uh, companies, especially Google and Apple. Is that something you're seeing as well in Brussels? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think, I think one of the problems with competition regulators getting into this field is how quickly things move. And if you think back to those they seem so days so long ago when Microsoft uh, was in trouble over its browser um, Internet Explorer and just as the commission was coming to decisions um, everyone was using uh, Firefox and Google so I think it's a really fast moving uh, a very very fast moving uh, market and business so again I think probably on balance it's best if competition regulators stay out of some aspects of it. Oh, thanks, Bruno. And uh, remember, you'll be able to follow uh, Bruno and what's happening with those talks and, of course, all the other financial news as it happens on our pop-up Business Now live blog that's on the website. And if you are a Times subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. That's for all you need to know wherever you are. And if you don't have a subscription, we do this as a special offer at the moment. You can just go to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Bruno Waterfield in Brussels, Richard Fletcher and Nick Files. They're all on Twitter so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.